This week we have a double parsha of Ayakel Pekude. The parsha of Ayakel begins that Meshur Abenu comes down from the Har. It was Matzayim Akipurim, Macharasayim Akipurim, as she says. He brings down the Luchay Shnies, and the first thing that he commands Klal Yisrael is about Shabbos. And he says, a pasuk in the midst of this tzivoy of Shabbos, loy sevaru esh b'chol meshveiseichem b'yem Shabbos, that a person should not light a fire in any of his dwellings on Shabbos. That was the one lav that he singled out, havara. There's a machlekes in the Gemara exactly why that is. Why would he singled out Havara. There are Lamites Malachas. Why Havara of all things? And the Gemara has a Machlekes about whether it was Havara Lalav Yatsis or Lachalik Yatsis, different halachic ramifications of singling out this one Malacha of lighting a fire. What I wanted to speak about today was a few different lessons that we could take from this one Malacha. And this one mitzvah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us through Meshur Abenu of not lighting a fire on Shabbos. There are so many lessons from every word in the Torah, and we're going to discuss a few from this very Pasuk. The Karoim, Karoim were a sect of Jews who took the Torah literally. They said everything that the Torah says, we don't know about the rabbis and how they interpret the Torah. All we know is this is God's Torah, and whatever he writes in it, we're going to take it very literally. They thought they were being very firm about it, but of course they distorted the Torah as the way that we understand the Torah through the eyes of Chazal. If you, if you just read the Torah literally, it makes no sense, the Torah. They would put, let's say, tefillin between their eyes because it says, and we know that it doesn't mean that, but if you take it literally, you'll put your tefillin between your eyes and you're not going to get the mitzvah. So one of the major things that the Karaites, the Karaim, did was they read this Pasuk of Leisavaro Eish and they said, oh, Hashem doesn't want any fires in our house on Shabbos. They, they interpreted the word Savaru means that there should be no fires burning in your house. Not that you shouldn't actually light a fire on Shabbos, but that there should not be fires burning in your house at all. It should be completely dark in your house. It should be cold in the house. There should be no warm food in your house. And that's the way Hashem must want us to keep Shabbos. So, the Karam, of course, made a terrible mistake. And in fact, that's why we have many minhagim that we do on Shabbos, like the most... Uh, the major one is that we eat hot foods on Shabbos. It's a mitzvah to eat a food that's made hot. So, for example, that's where the, the, the minig to eat cholent uh, developed. And there's many uh, you know, different uh, types of cholents that are made throughout the world. There's fatty cholents. Yekis have a different uh, type of cholent. But everybody, Bechol Tfutz Yisrael, eats hot foods on Shabbos. The Ramah says that if you don't have hot food on Shabbos, you have to be chayshed, maybe the person is a min, maybe he's an apikaris, because maybe he's taking this pasuk literally, and he's saying, So, that's how they understood this pasuk. And I want to say that I have two rayas in this pasuk itself that the karam were wrong. It's as if the rabbinic shleilam said in this Pasuk that don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. When I'm saying, that is not to be taken literally like the Karoim. Don't sit in a dark house without fire on. You should have fire on. It's just you can't light the fire. How is that marumas in this Pasuk? So first of all, it says in the Pasuk, in all of your dwellings, in all of your habitats. What does that mean? Why does the Torah say? Just say, What is And what I thought of is that we find a similar idea 
of Bechal Meish elsewhere in the Torah and Sefer Shemais and Parshas Bay, where it says that the entire Egyptian, the Goyim in Egypt, they had Cheshech, they had the Makkah of Cheshech, but Ulochol B'nei Yisrael Hayar All of the Jews in their dwellings, they had light. They had light. The rest of Egypt was pitch dark. You couldn't move, you couldn't get up, you couldn't sit. Everyone was stuck in this thick darkness. But the Jews had Ar B'chal Meshvaisam. And I was thinking maybe that that's what the Pasuk is saying over here. Don't sit in darkness. Don't be like the Karayim that say that you should sit in darkness. Jewish people, they always have light where there's a Meshav of B'nai Yisrael, where there is a, a, a place to dwell, to be. You have to have light there. And that's what I think the Torah is saying. Your Meshav should be a place of light. It should be bright. It should be, it should be beautiful. It should be illuminated. It's Shabbos. You can't light a candle on Shabbos. You can't light a new, a new flame. That's a malacha. But in terms of the actual atmosphere, the avira in your home, it's b'chal meshvei There you should have light in your house. It should not be dark. It should not be chayshech mitzrayim. It should not be a makkah of chayshech in your house. It should be beautiful. It should be bright. Another rem is, is that Tivaru Esh Bachalma Shvaisechem is Safe Tevis. If you take the last letters of those four words, Tivaru is a Vav, Esh is a Shin, Bachal is a Lamed, and Meshvaisechem is a Mem. That spells out Shalom. This is the Chasam Seifer's Simon. And I think that the Pshat is that Hakadish Baruchu is saying, Tivaru Esh Bachalma Shvaisechem. You should have a light burning in your home. Why? For Shalom. Because why do we have a mitzvah of Hadlakas Neira Shabbos? The Gemara in Shabbos says by the Sugya of Hanukkah, it says that the reason why you should have a light in your house, why you're Madlak Neiris of Shabbos, is because of Shalom Bayis. Rashi says over there in the Sugya on Chav Gimel that there is a, an Indian to be able to uh, have lights in your house because when you're sitting in darkness, it's a tsar. Who wants to sit in a dark room on Shabbos? It's, you know, sometimes the lights go out too early. The Shabbos clock goes, you know, triggers the lights to, to shut. And you're sitting in a dark room on Shabbos. It's not, it's not nice. It's not geschmack. It's not shalom. People aren't at peace. People don't feel happy to be in a, in a dark room on Shabbos. Elsewhere, Rashi says a different reason, Masechah Shabbos, that you'll come to trip over things and get angry. So the Torah is saying in this very Pasuk, yeah, you're not allowed to light a fire, but don't think that the Karoim who take it literally are in any way correct. Fakert. You have to light a, a You have to make sure that there is candles burning in your house, that there's Shabbos candles, there's other lights around the house. Tevaru esh b'chol There should be lights in your house because of Shalom. Because in order to make sure that there's shalom, that there's peace in your house, you need to have the lights burning. And don't think that there should be darkness in your house. That's the opposite of shalom. I want to share with you another very important yisai that we take from this pasuk. Listen to this balaturim. The balaturim says on this pasuk two things. There's two balaturims. They seem to be unconnected, but I think that there is a very big connection. The first Balaturim says, Amra Kadishparuchu, Ur Shali, my light, Pirish Gehenim. I have a, I have fires by me, says Akadishparuchu. Those fires we call Gehenim. Shaives Bishvilchem, they stop burning for you. Meaning on Shabbos we know that the fires of Gehenim, they are turned off. HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns them off. They only start again on Matzai Shabbos. That's why it's not always a good idea to rush out of Shabbos. One more reason not to, because the sooner that you rush out of Shabbos, the sooner the fires of Gehenim 
begin. So, but on Shabbos, HaKadosh Baruch Hu declares, I turned off my personal fires on Shabbos. Gam ar shalachem Therefore, your fire should also rest. Meaning, you should also not have fire burning in your house on Shabbos. Meaning, that's the reason behind this pasuk, it seems. Don't burn a fire on your house on Shabbos. I, bur- I turned off my fires of Ganem on Shabbos, and therefore you should likewise turn off your fires on Shabbos. That's the first palaturim. This palaturim is very strange. What in the world does turning off fires of Gehenim have to do with my turning off fires in my house? What does that have to do with it? The second Balaturim is that the end of this Pasuk is Biyayim HaShabbos, that's the last word of this Pasuk. And then the first word of the next Pasuk is Vayimer. Says the Balaturim that if you take the four letters that bookmark these two words, HaShabbos starts with a hey and ends with a Tuf. And then Vayimer starts with a Vav and ends with a Resh. Those four letters spell out, if you jumble them, Tyra. Why? What's the remez of Tyra? She'ikar ha-Tyra b'Shabbos kisha'adam panoi me'asakov. Because the main Tyra, the main Tyra is on Shabbos. The main Tyra that a person learns take pla- takes place on Shabbos when a person is panoi me'asakov, when a person doesn't have the responsibilities of parnasa that he has during the week, he's not busy with college work, he's not busy running to, on a train and, taking a, and, and being, being busy day and night with his, with his tzarche parnasa. Shabbos, there's no excuses. Shabbos, there's nothing else that you could do. There's no phones and there's no computers and there's no cars and there's no trains. Everything stops on Shabbos. Why? Because it's a time to, for Kedusha, it's a time to, to eat, to drink, to sleep, but it's also primarily a time for Tyra. It's a time that you're supposed to sit and learn Tyra. And in fact, it's brought in the Shulchan Aruch that Tamid HaChachamim, who learn the whole week, they're able to have more Menucha on Shabbos. They can rest a little more because they had a, a hard week with Tyra. But, when, but, a, but a, a, a Balabayas who has been working the whole week, he, he has to now sit and learn on Shabbos. That's his responsibility because now you have time on Shabbos to learn. In fact, there's a Vilna Gain that I've seen say that there is an importance of learning on Shabbos if you don't learn that much during the week. And by doing so, what you're basically showing is that had I had the ability to learn a whole week, I would. I, I'm busy with Parnas. I'm allowed to be busy with Parnas. The Torah allows that. But when you stop doing everything, what do you do then? Say if on Shabbos you're sitting and learning, you're basically showing HaKadosh Baruch with that, I would have learned the whole week, but I couldn't, but now I'm showing that I can. Now HaKadosh Baruch considers it as if you learn the entire week from Sunday to Friday. But if, let's say, on Shabbos you just show the whole Shabbos, and you're reading in the New York Times, and you're, uh, you know, and you're schmoozing about some things, so then you're basically showing Kedush Baruch, okay, that's what I would have done the whole week also had I not been working. So Shabbos is a day that's really supposed to be earmarked for learning. And that's the remez in this Pasuk that HaShabbos Vayaymer, that Shabbos starts with HaShabbos is a hey and a, and a, and a resh, and a hey and a, and a tof, and Vayaymer is a vav and a resh, spells out Tyra, a rem is that you're supposed to learn Tyra on Shabbos. And I ask a second question on the Balaturim, that why is this? It's a beautiful rem is, but there's been many places in the Tyra speaking already about Shabbos. From Shabbos Bereshis, in Kisisa we had many references to Shabbos. Why all of a sudden, in the Aseris HaDibris, why all of a sudden are you waking up here in Parshas Vayakel, in a Pasuk that's talking about what? A pasuk that's talking about don't light a fire in your house on Shabbos, and now you're telling me be careful uh, that you should learn on Shabbos, learn Torah on Shabbos. What does it have to do with, with about being maver ish on Shabbos? Two questions that we have: What is 
that have to do with Tyra? And also, what does it have to do that I'm not learning Tyra? And therefore, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu shuts down his Gehenim, we have to not light a fire on Shabbos. Be very careful not to light a fire on Shabbos. So here's what I was thinking to say. Bederach Drush. There was a very great guy. His name was Reb David Friedman of Karlin. They called him Reb David Karliner because he was from the city of Karlin. And he was a tremendous Eloi. Everybody speaks about his, his genius in Tyra. Tremendous Tamar Chacham, tremendous Eloi. He loved nothing more than to sit and learn. If you look in great Jewish photographs, I think the second spread in the book is a picture, a beautiful picture of David Karliner sitting over a Sefer and just like spacing out, like looking into Never Never Land and just like thinking and learning. A photographer took this picture of him. It's a beautiful picture. And the photographer testified that there, the window was open where Rabdavid Carlina was sitting and learning. And he took a picture of Rabdavid Carlina like right in front of his face. Like, you know, he wasn't like off to the side. And Rabdavid Carlina was so in his world of, of learning and so entranced in that beautiful, warm world of Tyra that he didn't even notice that his picture was being taken. And this wasn't, by the way, in the times that a camera was, you know, a guy with a smartphone that presses a silent button. Then, you know, you had to get like a curtain over your head and like put a whole contraption up and whatever. It wasn't simple to take a picture in those days. For Dover Kalina, there must have been a tremendous hullabaloo to get that camera set up by the window, and he didn't even notice it. He's just like looking straight into, into, you know, into the skies and just like in a different world, in a beautiful world. That picture, by the way, that photograph became a very famous uh, image because one of, in the olden days, they used to have what was called an ex libris stamp, which is like a stamp that if you'd have a lot of svarim, you would put, like today people have stamps they buy in Eretz Yisrael or whatever to stamp their svarim. In the olden days, they had like nice stickers and real like scholars all had their custom-made stickers. So, you know, different... And you can order them with your name on it. And some people have huge collections of all these ex libris stickers for the, for different scholars' books. So one of the most popular, if not maybe the most popular, ex libris stamp that was used in maybe thousands, tens of thousands of svarim was a a picture that was like a that was painted that was drawn of Rabdavid Karolina. It's the same exact image sitting over his svarim with a candle. And under it, you have the, you know, the name of the person, or you could fill in the name of the person whose library this book is from. But it became a very famous image. That's your David Karliner. And I put that image, by the way, in Great Jewish Photographs if you're, if, of that ex libris stamp if you'd like to, to buy it at better Jewish bookstores. Anyway, um, Rabbi David Karliner once said, to me, if you ask me my definition of Gehenim, Everybody has their own like image of what Gehenna might look like. If you grew up with the Far Side uh, comics, which probably nobody knows what that is, there was a constant uh, picture of Gehenna of like a cave with fires and whatever. That's how a lot of people, I guess, picture Gehenna. Reb David Karlina says, if you want to know what I consider Gehenna, Gehenna to me is when on Friday night I'm sitting by a Rashba. And I'm enjoying the Rashba so much, and I see a kasha that the Rashba asks, and I'm I'm thinking about it, and then I'm about to like delve into the terrors of the Rashba, and all of a sudden the candle that I was learning by goes out, and now the light the room becomes pitch black, and I'm not able to see what the Rashba answers, and I can't, and you know, there's no uh, street lights in those days. It's pitch black. It was Cheshav Mitzrayim. I wasn't. That to me is Gehenna. That's the definition in my mind of what Gehenna must be. To be able to not learn a, a tshuva of the Rashba, to not see a terrace of the Rashba when you're like mamish into learning on a Friday night, that's my definition of Gehenna. A similar story is told about Rav Shach. Rav Shach in Panovich, once uh, on Shabbos morning after davening, calls over a Talmud, and he says, you know what Gehenim is? 
Gehenim is when you're in the middle of thinking about a, a Rambam, a Shver Rambam, and then you have a, all of a sudden you remember that uh, a possible Yishu from it is in a different Rambam. And you go to the shelf, you get your other Rambam, and the lights in the house are out. All of a sudden they shut. And you want to make sure, you want to look at the Rambam inside and see if it's Meduyuk, see if, the, see if your Yishuv works out. And there's just like a little bulb on the ceiling that's like the only light in the apartment. And you're trying desperately to see what the Rambam says, and you can't. That's my definition of Gehenim. This Talmud thought it was like very strange that, you know, suddenly Rav Shach would just like offer up his definition of Gehenim. And like as he was walking out of the base Madrash, this Talmud, he sees Rav Shach's grandson who happened to live together with Rav Shach in his apartment. And he says, you know, the Rashiva just told me a very strange thing. Yerzeida told me his definition of Gehenim with a Rambam Friday night. I don't know, you know, it's, it's a strange thing for him to tell me. So the grandson smiles. And he says, you know, now I understand. He says, last night I was in bed almost asleep and all of a sudden I hear like a bang on the table in the kitchen. Bang, bang, bang. He says, what's going on? Like who's banging in the kitchen? And I turn over, I pretend, and then all of a sudden I hear it again. Bang, bang, bang. What's going on? Who's like... So I get up and I look through my bedroom door and I see my grandfather... Shach was very short, very, very short. He was like maybe, uh, I don't know, 4'11", four, four maybe 5 feet. And he says, I saw my grandfather standing on the kitchen table. The whole apartment was already dark. And there was a little light bulb, a little like incandescent bulb, way up on the ceiling. It was very, very dim in the room. That was the only source of light. And Rav Shach was standing with an open safer, and he was jumping on the kitchen table to try to see with, that, with anything that he could, as much light as he was able to get from the light bulb above him. He was trying to hop anything that he could see in the Rambam by jumping up, getting closer to the light. And he says, I didn't really understand what he, I didn't want to interrupt him, I just went back to sleep. But now I understand he was looking up this Rambam. He needed to see the Rambam to see whether or not his Yishuv makes sense. He needed to see the Lashon of the Rambam, but he couldn't. And that's why he told you that that was Gehenim for him. Gehenim for him was, I'm, I, I, I need to learn, learn Tyra, and I, I can't see. And that was Rav David Karlina's definition of Gehenim. That was Rav Shach's definition on a Friday night when it's dark and you can't see and you want to learn, you can't. It's so hard to, to, to resist, but it's, it's Shabbos. That's Gehenim. Maybe we could say that that's the Pshat in these two Balaturims. The Balaturim is saying that in this Pasuk, don't light a candle, don't light any fire on your house, be Shabbos. In that Pasuk, at the end, is Marumah's Taira. HaShabbos Vayaymer equals Taira, meaning what the Pasuk is saying is that you're supposed to learn Taira on Shabbos, so much so, the Taira should be so gishmak on Shabbos that you're going to want to light a fire. You're going to want so much to learn Taira that when the lights go out, you're like almost... It's almost irresistible for you to be maver, to, to be maverish. You want to be maverish. This is in fact why Chazal came along and made a made a gezera called Shemayate. A person is there's all types of like safeguards about if you have Shabbos candles, you're supposed to have a shaymer. You have to have somebody else with you, and you have to you know make sure that you're you're not going near it. There's a lot of safeguards put in place because. It was a danger that you might come to tilt the shemayati, you might tilt the lamp so that the oil will feed more into the, into the fire so you'll be able to learn that Rashba, so you'll be able to learn the Rambam. There's a Gemara that says that, an amazing Gemara, the Gemara says you shouldn't, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to light a, uh, a candle on Shabbat, you're not allowed to um, learn alone on Shabbat, shemayate. so Elisha, Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha says, one of the great Tanoim, he says, 
don't worry, I can handle it. I can learn alone, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be maver. I'm not gonna be mater Shabbos. So, so there's a machlekes in the Gemara. What happened? Either he was about to do it, and then he says, "Wow, how great are the chachamim that they said shemayate." I tried to outsmart the chum, but I see, you know, they were much smarter than I because I was so tempted to be to, to light to, to to tilt the lamp on Shabbos to make the fire go. I was busy learning. Another Mandamer says, Reb Nassim says, actually he was, he was Iver, he, he told to the lamp on Shabbos. And he writes in his, he, according to Reb Nassim, he says, he wrote in his pinkus, he wrote in his ledger, Ani Yishmael ben Elisha, I Yishmael ben Elisha, Karasi v'itisi. I read from the Gemara by the light, and I actually was, and I, and I was, I, I tilted the lamp, I was Iver. Avi chata shmeina l'cheshi ibane beis hamikdash. When the beis hamikdash is going to be rebuilt, I owe a fat chatas to the to bring a carbon for what I did. It's interesting. Why a fat chatas? Just you owe a chatas. You brought it. You're Iver and Avera b'shaygeg on Shabbos. You're chayiv a chatas. Why a chatas shmeina? So Reb Nassan Adler says a beautiful pshat. The Rebbe of the Chassam Seifer he says that. You, you're a chatas for being over the deraisa, b'shaygei, but you were also over the drabanan of shemayate. So for the drabanan, you owe a fat. Add a little flesh onto the. Get a fatter cow because it's not just for. You get a fatter animal. It's not just for the deraisa. It's also yeah. Owe a little bit extra for the drabanan also. But what do we see from this? That it's very hard when you're learning to not light a fire, to not tilt the fire, to not turn on the light. Because Shabbos Torah is extra geshmak on Shabbos. It's so geshmak that the Chazal have to come up with all types of ordinances so that you're not, you're not adding to the fire, you're not turning on a light, you're not in any way going to violate like Savaroj. But it comes to a head because of Torah. If not for Torah, it wouldn't be such a, you know, we wouldn't have to like make a special pasuk about like Savaroj. The Iker problem with Havara on Shabbos, why it's more tempting than any of the other Lama Tesmalachas is, because if you're learning Torah on Shabbos, be very careful about lighting a fire on Shabbos. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It means that you're learning. It means like you love learning. It means you have a geschmack in learning. It means that you're using Shabbos properly. But therein lies the problem. Because you might come to be so into learning that you're tempted to, to Shemayate, you have to therefore be very careful. The Imkanim Devareno, if that's true, then the first Palaturim makes a lot of sense also. First Palaturim says that the reason why you have to be very careful about lighting fires is because I turn off my fire of Ganim on Shabbos. You have to resist turning on your fires on Shabbos. What's Pshat? Because, like these Gedalim, and if this is true for David Karliner of Shach, imagine what it was for Kivager. To, to learn on Shabbos and to have a have the light go out in the middle. How about for the Rambam? How about for for the Rishonim? For the for for, for the Tanoim, for the Amiraim? How about for them? Imagine the difficulty. Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha, he was learning, and he it's like it's Gehenim. I, not a conscious thing, but like you have to learn, you have to finish that Teretz of the Rashba. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu says it's Gehenim. I understand that. But I turned off my fires of Gehenim, and you have to resist the Gehenim that will be involved by learning Torah and then suddenly not being able to learn because the fires go out. I remember the days that I was a Bachar in Yeshiva, and I know that that makes me sound like I'm 100 years old, but, and maybe I am, but those are the greatest days of, of, of a person's life. You know, I know that you think right now that your life hasn't really begun yet and it's going to start after you get married, after you have a family, after you get your job, after you buy your first Tesla. I know that that's maybe what you're thinking. But I'm telling you now, okay, and you heard it here first, that the years of your life right now, today, now, at this second, in Yeshiva, are the greatest days that you'll ever have the rest of your life. Don't fadim yourself. Don't 
delude yourself into believing anything else. Because if you think that life really starts after you get married, after you have a family, after you, after you buy your first house, after you buy your first... Then you're always going to... You're going to miss life. Life is now. And it really is the best part of life is right now. When you're a bacher, you don't have any responsibilities. You don't have to worry about paying a mortgage or, or paying car payments or whatever. You don't... You're just... All you're, all you're asked to do is is basically sit and learn and do a little college and, and, and have, a, have a good time. What's expected of a bacher already? I remember Friday night in yeshiva, the most vivid memory that I have of, uh, of my years in high school as a bacher, and, and a little base madrash also. It was Friday night, and we were all learning, whoever, you know, we were learning, there was a seder after, after the meal, and then, whoever wanted to stay after the Seder, you know, stayed later. A lot of times, um, at least maybe in my early years, I was trying to like, be one of the, you know, the Chasheva Beis Medrash guys, you know, Steigen Friday night, those long Friday nights in the winter, and, uh, and I lived a block away from my high school. It was really an out-of-town yeshiva, but it happened to be the city that I lived in, so I was sleeping at home, and my mother, like nine times out of ten, would like, come to see where I am at a certain time, like 10 o'clock at night. She was worried that I wasn't home yet. So, like, a guy comes up, Bamberger, your mother's downstairs. She wants to know where you are. I was like, Ma, come on. But I remember that maybe the Friday nights that my mother didn't ask me to come home. So all the lights in the base matters, maybe it was 12 o'clock at night, they all went out at one point. It was pitch black. But there was the Menaira, like with those little jumping bulbs, if you know what I'm talking about, um, that was by the Amud. And that was the only light in the whole base Medrash. The whole base Medrash was dark, and there was like the, just that Menaira with, with, those, with those flickering bulbs. And we all went like moths to a, to a, you know, to a fire, literally. And we were like all standing there with our Gemaras like this, like, like, like trying to chat more and more and more Tyra on a Friday night. That's like the most vivid memory that I have of being a Bachar in Yeshiva. The most beautiful time of life. Friday night, you have a whole night to learn. Like, you know, what are you running back after, after the meal to, the, you know, to your dorm where you need to sleep a bagel? Like, Chaparain, it's beautiful. It's Shabbos. You're in yeshiva or your home, wherever it is, and you're, you have the opportunity, you have a whole Friday night. You learn. You learn. There are balabatim that they say in Europe that they used to work so hard during the week. You know, it wasn't like today, you know, you have a car, you have a phone, you're working from home, you know, you're big, you know, people complain, I'm working so hard. What are you doing all day? You're, you're on your internet, you're buying and selling a stock, like online, like while you're, while you're smoking a cigarette and eating a frankfurter, like what do you, what's the big deal? Like in the olden days, they actually did physical labor. Like there was, there were people that were, you know, were selling clothing out of a push cart. And there were people that were mamish like balagolas, like wagon drivers in the mud, in the snow, in the sleet. People worked very hard back then. Friday night, these balabatim that worked so hard, they were longing to learn the whole week. They couldn't. They had to make a parinasa for their family. And what they did was they would eat the meal quickly or whatever, a nice amount of time. They would sing zmiras. They would bench. They would go to sleep because they were exhausted from the week. And they woke up maybe three, four hours later, and now it was nine o'clock at night, ten o'clock at night, and they would learn throughout the whole night. The base matters would be packed in certain cities in Europe because this is what they wanted to do. They wanted to just learn. And for them, learning was their life. And if they weren't able to learn, if the lights went out, it was Gehenim for them. But that's right. That's the way it should be. You should be so into learning that when you're not able to learn, it's Gehenim. And that all is part of the mitzvah of Leisavaru Eish. I know that it's hard for you, says the Rabbi Nishalem. I know it's going to be Gehenim for you when the light goes out. But that's the mitzvah of Shabbos. Shabbos is Torah, to learn, to shtaig. It's a day that you're, empty, that you're free from all your other worldly responsibilities. Chaparain, make it a beautiful day of learning. 
be careful, because if you really consider Tyra to be your life, and when the lights go out, it's Gehenim, and if you know what that feels like, then Ashrecha, but you have to be very careful. You shouldn't get near that fire, because it might be very, very tempting for you to tip it when nobody's looking, because you need to see the terrors. But hold yourself back. I shut off my Gehenim for you. Now I expect you to be very careful, even though you might be going through Gehenim by lack of learning Torah. Do it. Because that's what the right thing is. That's what I want from you on Shabbos. The learning of Torah on Shabbos is very special. You know, every word of Torah is a mitzvah. The Gra writes this in, his, uh, in, in one of his perushim, I think at the beginning of Masechus Peah, if I'm not mistaken. He writes that, how do you quantify the, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah? Is it, is it an amud? Is it a blad? Is it a taisas? Is it a, a, a sugya? What, what, do when, do, when, when do you get the check of the mitzvah of Talmud Torah? It says the Gra, every word of Torah that you learn is a mitzvah of Neatzma. It's amazing. You make a cheshman, how many words of Torah we're speaking out, you know, this hour of the shmuz or whatever it is. You know, I probably spoke already, you know, if you'd have like a, the Microsoft Word, you could see how many words there are or whatever. You probably spoke thousands of words already, right? Every word is a mitzvah. It's an, and a mitzvah, not stama mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that's Talmud Torah Kineget Kulam. Every word that we're speaking right now and you're listening in Shemei Kaina, you also get this chai for this. 613 mitzvahs per word. So if I spoke a thousand words, that's 613,000 mitzvahs. If you understand what that means, that means we all just became Elon Musk, literally in Shemayim. Just from learning an hour. But the Chavetz Chaim used to say a, a really scary part. That when you learn Torah on Shabbos, since the mitzvah of Shabbos is also Keneged Kulam, Shabbos is shakal to all the mitzvahs of Tairah, as I'll tell us. So every word on Shabbos is 613 times 613. I don't know what the math is. Maybe it's uh, uh, 360,000. Maybe. Is that right? Whatever. Any mathematicians here? Whatever. Or anyone with a calculator? You know, once saw, somebody sent me a joke once that, you know, we always asked, like, when we were kids, like, what do we need to know, you know, what do we need to know uh, arithmetic, you know, uh, multiplication, all this, you know, what do we need it for? You can use a calculator. So the teacher used to tell us, you know, you're not always going to have a calculator on you. Boy, was she wrong. You know, everybody has a calculator in their smartphone today. So, anyway, but 630, how much is it? 375,000. 375,000 words for what? For every word of Torah that you learn on Shabbos. Is that crazy? You learn for an hour? I don't know, do the math. 375,000 times, times uh, you, know, you know, whatever. I mean, it's crazy. It doesn't make sense. Billions of mitzvahs you can have on Shabbos. Of the greatest, the turbocharged mitzvah of Talmud Torah. And you're going to sleep on Shabbos? You're playing a board game on Shabbos? You're reading Sports Illustrator. Is that a normal thing to do? If this, according to what we're saying? You know, Yaakov Yasef Herman was the great uh, pioneer of Torah in America. There's, I think the, the, the first great Godel biography, if you happen to be into them, um, was put out when I was in high school. It's actually my Rebbe's mother-in-law wrote it. Um, it was called uh, All for the Boss. And it was a daughter's recollection of her father, Yaakov Yosef Herman, a, a fantastic book. Highly recommend it. I think we have it in the library. So, so Yaakov Yosef Herman was a person that was Meister Nefesh for Tyra. He started a lot of things in America that we all live by because of. Like, you know, he was very stark against shuls having mixed dancing. When I was a kid, there was still mixed dancing. Today, it's very rare for any orthodox shul, even if it's modern orthodox, to have mixed dancing. But then it was a thing. 
he was mamish, he made hafganot, he was like very fire against mixed dancing, against uh, all t- anything that he saw as a breach in authentic terror. He used to take a like, walk on Coney Island by the, bro- by the boardwalk on Coney Island by the beach and with a placard on him, this is a man with a long white beard, and it would say, young you know, Jewish boys and girls, it is forbidden to go mixed swimming, uh, you know, or, or dress modestly, or whatever it was, and they thought he was a nut. They thought he was crazy, and they threw him out of shuls. They threw him off the beach. They threw him. But he was meiser nefesh for Tyra, and he had tremendous talmidim. He was very close. He was a great machnis ayrach. Rebarach Ber stayed by him. Many gedalim stayed by him. He, was, he had rochakayd. If you read the book, you'll be amazed. So he has, I don't know so many vertlach that he said. I don't know so much Tyra about it. I know stories about it. I don't know Tyra. But I saw in a sefer that quotes a shtickle Tyra from him that one of the most gorgeous pshatim that I ever saw. There's a Gemara in Shabbos, which is very, very negaya to what we're saying about today. It says, Haragel b'ner havin le'banim tamidachamim. If you're accustomed to having candles burning in your house, then you'll be zaychet having children who are tamid chachamim. And Rashi says it's talking about Neir Shabbos and Neir Hanukkah. I once, by the way, asked a, a rabbi of mine, Mardachai Krauser, Chetzadik Levracha, who was Rashi Ben Arachayim, a tremendous lamdan. I asked him, what, what's the Pshan in the Gemara? Rago Ben Neir having Lebanon Tamid Why does it say if you're rago with, with lighting candles, you'll be a Talmud Chacham? Well, I worry about my kids. Let, let my kids worry about themselves. I want to worry about, I want to be a Talmud Chacham. So he smiles and he says, he says, no. He says, for you to be a Talmud Chacham, there's no schoolus. The only way to be a Talmud Chacham is you sit and learn. You take out a Savior, you take out a Gemara, you take a Chumash, you sit and learn. That's how you'll be a Talmud Chacham. for your children, you know, you'll get a schoolata that he, they should somehow, you know, have an interest in learning. But if you want to be a Talmud Chacham, you can light all the candles, you know, have a seance all day, light, all day you know, light candles all you want. You know, it's not going to work. That maybe works for your children, but not for you. But I want to tell you, Avar from Yaakov of Herman, how there is a direct correlation. He says, what does it mean, Haragel Benair? How does that work? Just by, you know, by osmosis, I light candles and poof, my, my shawl becomes Rav Like, how does that happen? So he says like this. Picture the scene. The father is sitting on a Friday night and there's a fire there. There's the candles, there's the Shabbos lamp, whatever it is. And he's sitting there, let's say, with a chavrusa or by himself, and you know his wife is on the couch being a shamer for him, whatever. And he's sitting hunched over his Gemara, and it's 9 o'clock at night, and it's 10 o'clock at night, and he's singing, and he's into it, and he's taking out a Rambam, and a Ritva, and a Rashbana, and he's, and he's mamish and Eilam Amis. He's mamish like... Chapping Shabbos like 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 he should, and now his little boy, six-year-old boy, wakes up in the middle of the night and he's thirsty. So what does he do? He gets up, goes downstairs, you know, to, to the kitchen to get a glass of water. And as he's walking down the stairs, he looks to his left. He sees the dining room. And he sees his father sitting hunched over that Gemara with all the Svarim on the table and he's steiging and he's into it with Amelos, with Yagiyo, with a Bren. It's three o'clock in the morning and he's still learning, my father. Haragil Bener, if that's your Shabbos, if that's the way Shabbos looks in your home, if you're learning and you're steiging Laraner, that there is a concern of Shemayate. You have no choice. That child has no choice but to want to be a Talmud Chacham. He has no choice but to want to be a Talmud How else? What, what else should I do? I see my father giving his life for Tyra. He's working hard the whole week, but Friday night he's becoming a Kailul Yungalite. He's coming, he becomes an Avrech. He becomes full of Tyra, full of Kedusha. A child sees his father learning, not telling him to learn, not scolding him, not screaming at him, but he sees his father himself sitting hunched over Lara Nair. 
Haragel Bener, you have that type of fire, and you're learning by the fire. Says Rabbi Yaakov Yisav Herman, Haven Lebanim Tamidacham. That's a sure fire, pardon the pun, guarantee of having Banim Tamidacham. Your sons will want to be a Tamid Chacham. I promise you. If they see their father with a, you know, with a, with a, uh, a wedge of cheese on their head going to a football game, they'll want to be a fan of, uh, of, of, of the Packards. If they see their father, you know, with the Yankees, with a pinstripe Yankee, they're going to want to be a Yankee fan. But if they see their father learning on there on a Friday night, it's, it's inevitable. You have to. There's no choice. That's the only way you're going to produce children in a natural way that are Tamidachamim. Hateva. I want to share with you something that uh, I heard this week that completely blew me away. I have a close friend who's, a, who's my dentist. He's a Talmud, he's my dentist. It's a, an interesting relationship. We're very close. And he's a wonderful person. He's a Ben Taira. He learns and he's a great dentist. And Anyway, so I had my, my, uh, my six-month appointment uh, one day this week. And um, so I go into his office. And, you know, it's sort of a one-way conversation when you have your whole mouth, like, you know, full of, uh, you know, spritzes and stuff like that. But I was saying to him about how uh, our uh, Rav, a local Rav, how I enjoy his Svarim. You know, he writes, he, he, he told me, he just put out another statement, I said, I love his Svarim. I, I, you know, I use them, they're great. He says, yeah, I love them too. And then he tells me that when his son, who was a Talmud also, he learned in the Sikhshib, wonderful guy, when he was a young boy, so they had a minig, that on Friday night, listen to this, it blew me away. I asked him permission to repeat it. On Friday night, they would learn together from the Rav's Sefer. They daven in this Rav Shul. They learned together for, uh, on his Chumash Svarim. Every Shabbos, the father, the dentist, taught his son one piece in that in the Rav Sefer. And they learned it well together, and they you know talked about it, and the the, the kasha and the tarets and the beauty of it. And the minig was they would learn a piece Friday night, and Shabbos morning after davening, this young boy would go over to the Rav and tell him over the piece that he wrote. I was so nishtaimim from that story. I don't know why. I just think it's such a beautiful Shabbos story. That's what Shabbos is. Shabbos is showing your child Kavad Atayra. Showing your child Kavad Atayra by the way you speak about the Rabbanim, by the way you convey their Taira, by the way you yourself are learning and sharing Divrei Taira at the table. That's what Shabbos is. When oh, Tuesday night I have a chance to convey to my children what Tyra is, what Kedusha is, what Kavarat Tyra is, you don't have that chance. Tuesday night you're wolfing down your, your supper and then you're running off to your night seder or running off to, you know, to work or whatever else you're doing. Your kids are doing homework. Everything is helter-skelter. There's no, there's no kvias. Shabbos is the one day that you're going to feed your child Tyra. By the table you're going to say over there. But this is, a, this is incredible. It's extraordinary. To be able to learn your Rav's Torah with your child on a Friday night, and then the next morning to be able to give the Rav Hanah that somebody actually cares about his Torah. Somebody's actually learning that Torah with his son. Whatever you do with your child on Shabbos, you're learning or you're showing by example. Shabbos is the day that Torah gets baked into the child's conscience. There's no choice but to be a Talmud Chacham. Yeah, what are you going to do? Going to not be a Talmud Chacham? That's Chinuch. Chinuch means to show children by example of what it is to learn Tyra and Shabbos. And how if I don't have Tyra, it's Gehenim. If not for Tyra, I'd be impoverished, I'd be nothing. That the house that I have, the car that I have, the clothing that I have, is nothing if I don't have Tyra. And it's true that I'm going and I'm earning a Parnassah the whole week, but don't think that that defines me. Look at me on Shabbos. 
Look at my face on Shabbos. Learn with me on Shabbos. See what I put my main dogesh on on Shabbos. And that's what you should learn from me. Haragel Benair. See how I am around the fire. See how I am around Shabbos. That's the way to instill in yourself and in your children and in your wife and in your family and to the Rabbi Shalom what is mainly important to you. The Torah is mine and maybe throughout the week I don't have the luxury of learning it as much as I would like but come Shabbos and I'm proving to you who I am. And all of this is marumas in this one single pasuk of Savaru Eish B'chomesh V'seichem Yem Shabbos. Rabbi Yisai, when you're bachrim chap arayin, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you will not regret it. I am not steering you wrong. Do not run after the guys that are running out into the dorms or whatever, trying to chap a bagel, you know, that means to sleep around the clock 12 hours and they think it's like a big, you know, wow, you slept a bagel. Who cares? What are you, a 80-year-old guy in a nursing home? Like, what, 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 are, you, what, what are you being misguided about sleeping a bagel? Is that that's something to be mishtaim over? Tell me that you learned a bagel. That's chashuv. And yes, you should sleep, and yes, you should enjoy Shabbos, and you should sing Zemiris, of course. But when you have free time on Shabbos, use it wisely. Use it wisely. Make it so geschmack, the learning that you're doing, that, you, that if the lights ever turn out, you no, I don't want the lights. I need them on. What's going on over here? Who turned the lights off? That's how Gishmat Torah should be for you. Like Rav David Karliner's Torah, like Rav Shach's Torah, that on Shabbos, it's Gehenim for me not to be, I need the Torah. All of that is found in this Pasuk. Chaparain, don't waste a single Shabbos, not when the Shabbosim are short, not when the Shabbosim are long, just do whatever you can and learn and learn and learn. Your main learning is on Shabbos. Your main learning is on Shabbos. You steig on Shabbos, you chazer on Shabbos, whatever it is that you're doing on Shabbos. But the Kedusha of Shabbos, sort of like, it just makes it absorbed into your bloodstream, the Tyra. And it's in your bloodstream and it's going to carry over genetically to your children and to your grandchildren. Whatever they see you doing on Shabbos, that's what they're going to want to do on Shabbos. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Rabbi Yisrael.